Hello, it's Bao, and this is Coffee with Bao, where I chat with awesome people about their creative process, their cultural identity, and how they're continuing to grow as a human being. And you can find all my past guests on my website, coffeewithbao.com. All right, guys, today I'm hanging out with a fellow immigrant and musician. She's a Filipino American, formerly of the band called Hidden Nikki. And now she's a composer at Bleeding Fingers Music, which is a joint venture between Hans Zimmer and Sony ATV. Her music credits include a dozen full length films, tons of TV and commercials, including、uh, for BBC, Lifetime, hold on, the list is long Amazon Prime Video, Discovery Channel, <laughs> and a Filipino feature film called Billy and Emma by Samantha Lee. Most recently, she composed the opening music to the music video for a song called Gold by Ella J. Basco featuring Ruby Ibarra. So here's my friend and devoted dog mama, Denise Santos.、Ah! Hello! Denise, thank you for joining me, and I miss seeing your dog, Biscuit. I know, she, she wouldn't come out. <laughs>、um, Y'all, Biscuit has an Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I do get to see Biscuit in that way, but、um, yeah. she's too shy for, for the camera today, right? More like she's, this is the time where she's like in bed for the next three or four hours. Wow. She, that's what she does all day. And I've learned that throughout the pandemic that she just literally just lies under the、uh, duvet <laughs> for like 80% of the day and then comes out when it's like, Dinner time. She comes out for food, of course,、yeah. just like me. <laughs>、uh, thank you so much for joining me. I'm like really excited、mm-hmm. because we've got some cool topics to talk about, and you're like uniquely qualified to talk about this stuff. So I'm really <laughs> stoked. Thank, thank you thank for you. having me.、Um, you're fairly recent in the United States. I think you've only been here since 2014 or something. Right? And.、Mm-hmm. Um, You came to the US by yourself to go to college? Well, I came here to study at, it's not really a full degree, it's like a certificate course、mm. in film scoring. And the thing is, I was already working as a composer in the Philippines, I was freelancing,、mm. and maybe for about two years at that point. And then I realized, because I had never studied music, <laughs> like, I was just like playing in bands and、yeah. singing choir. And I, I lived music, but I didn't really know fully what was going on. I mean, I kind of did, but never on a professional I level. I see. So I decided to take up this certificate course in film scoring with the plan of coming back home. So <laughs> I didn't you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I didn't break up with my band. Like, we, we were all like, see you in a year and a half.、Like、yeah. Everyone was like, we'll see you. Like, it, it wasn't a big deal. And then I got a job. For, <laughs> and I was like, well, why don't I stay? It's like such a great opportunity. So, and then I just never left. Wow. Now you're like full on American. I guess. <laughs> it was just things happened and I, I went with it. Well, I'm glad you're here and you're doing like really cool stuff. And 
you're also married to my friend Josh, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is really cool. Let's talk about that a little later. But um, I'd really like to know about how you kind of view yourself in terms of being an American now versus like being Filipino. Um, I honestly, I still think of myself more as a Filipino who lives in America. Yeah. Um, it is, it's weird being here and because there are Filipino Americans that were born and raised here. Yeah. And that's the majority of the community. And then there's a few of us that immigrated, you know, after studying college and stuff. And yeah. There's always like this weird, do we feel like we belong here or are we just guests? Like, wow. I, I think it'll take a while for me to really feel like there's a space for me. Huh here i see so you you kind of just feel like a visitor most of the time huh yeah yeah for sure how interesting um what's your family history like in the philippines have you guys kind of been in the same location like uh where specifically are you from um so yeah we've been in manila like the metro oh cool the capital of the philippines i grew up i was born and raised there um my dad is from the province but he met my mom already in the metro mm. where they met in college and, which is the same college that i went to so <laughs> awesome. uh, yeah it's just pretty cool and none of them are professional musicians but my grandma um she played classical piano i think she played in concert like for a little bit yeah and then on my mom's side my uncle was a um, director for films and also for oh, wow. uh, plays, like live play. So those, I think, are my two, like, influences in the family in terms of, like, art. Yeah. But then my parents, although they're not musicians, they really appreciate art. So I grew up with my siblings. They all forced us to take piano lessons every <laughs> Saturday morning. And we, there was a piano at home. And then... Um, they would take us to to shows all the time that either my uncle directed or just oh, cool. shows in general. And we traveled a lot too. Like we've been everywhere and they would always make sure that we stopped by at a museum, go watch a show. I eat love lots that. of really good food. <laughs> lucky you. I know. I was, I'm very lucky that they really exposed me to the world of art, even though they weren't artists themselves. But my mom actually paints. Let me clarify that. It's not yeah. professionally. She I does see. it as a hobby. But yeah, they pretty much helped me build my taste for art. That's so cool. Yeah. I think like every Filipino family I know is like super into music. Everybody sings either like <laughs> through the church relationship Yep. Or karaoke at home, or like giant family me- family gatherings. Like, yeah, there's so much music all the time. So I'm really not surprised that like you got into that. <laughs> yeah, and there's like tons of like music festivals in the city that I would go to all the time. I can't wait to visit. Oh, dude, it's <laughs> beautiful. It's it's just a magical, magical place, and it's the people that really makes you know. That yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So you started piano at like a really early age, like four or something, right? And then you just uh, kept going, expanded your musical 
um, yeah. endeavors. And so this, my piano teacher, she was a music teacher in my school. And then my mom, like, I guess reached out to her and was like, hey, can you give private lessons to my kids? Yeah. So, yeah, I started playing piano and my sisters did too. And then they eventually started like saying, you know, I think I don't want to keep doing this. Uh-huh. So I kept at it because I loved it. And my, the same piano teacher... Shout out to Mrs. Garcia. <laughs> she taught me how to love music, really. And, but she also taught me how to play guitar. She also gave me voice lessons. Awesome. And yeah, and then I just never stopped. Like, so her market really is like young kids. Yeah. And I just never stopped. So so you, st- you stuck with her I did, into like, adulthood? into adulthood like we would have recitals <laughs> and i'd be like the oldest person in the room <laughs> i love that <laughs> but i was like well i don't know i just don't want to stop doing this and she, we mostly did like classical pieces yeah as I, I as i grew old too you know my pieces got more complicated and she also taught me some theory behind it so yeah i just stuck with her really until i left for the u.s that's so cool. Did yeah. your family ever pressure you into having any other sort of career? Well, I don't know if it's pressured by them or it's me like trying to please them, but I didn't seek out to be a musician first. Huh. Which is weird. <laughs> I, so I took up business in college. And that was because I thought that, you know, maybe I couldn't make a living out of it. Yeah, I, I always saw it as a hobby growing up. It was fun for me, but I didn't ever envision myself doing it professionally. Mm. So I, you know, in my college years, I completely didn't do anything musical. I just said, oh, wow, I'll be in business. I'll either work for a bank or <laughs> I, I don't know, like start my own business. I was so lost, but yeah. then I was also so miserable. <laughs> yeah. So God, I, I imagine say if that you had followed that path. <laughs> I know, right? But I, and I honestly, though, as a as a musician, to to be able to survive, you also have to have that business sense. Yeah. So I'm glad that I did that, but um, I don't know if it was pressure from my parents or. They didn't tell me what to do, but it was more like, well, that's what they do because they're, they're in business. So it was like automatic to me. Like, yeah. if that's what they're doing. Maybe that's what I should do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you started playing in bands as a young adult and you were on keys and vocals. Is that what I Mostly, read? yeah, keys and like backup vocals. I don't like my voice. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I never offer myself as a vocalist. But I sang in choir. Yeah. But, you know, I know how to sing in key, but I just don't like my voice. So it was backup vocal. Really. Um, do you have any inter- interesting stories from, from playing in those bands? Well, well, okay. So Hidden Mickey was already a band that had existed when I was like in high school. And I'd always like, known about them. And I looked up to them, but they were like already in college. Mm. And... I don't know, for some reason, I never thought I would be in that band until it just, it just happened. A lot of these things happen in my life, like, it just happens. Like, 
But um, I think there was one time after college when I was getting back into exploring the music world and I attended one of their shows and I happened to know the bassist, uh-huh. Jason. Um, and we just like had a small chat and then I don't know how it got to, hey, come play with us. But I basically like, I said, yeah, maybe I can session. Like, they didn't have a steady keyboardist. Ah, uh, got it. So I was like, yeah, sure, maybe I can session. Let's try it out. And they, they're like an alternative jazz band. And I had only played one ragtime jazz piece my entire life. <laughs> yes. Never, never have I played, like, with a band. Like, uh-huh. I only knew this maple, la- uh, maple leaf rag by... Scott Joplin, I think. That was the only jazz thing I knew. They gave me charts, and I was so nervous. Like, I didn't <laughs> know what to do, but somehow pulled it off. Awesome. And then I think after our first or second show, they were like, Do you want to join the band, like, officially? I was like, Heck yeah. And they were, they were signed to a label that was also signed. Uh, they also had one of my favorite Filipino bands signed to them. Yeah. So I couldn't miss that opportunity. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. And then we ended up like playing lots of shows with this one of my favorite bands. They're called UDD. They used to be called Up Dharma Down, but they changed it to UDD. And yeah, we would go around the Philippines just playing shows. How fun. What yeah, a blast surprisingly like the crowd was always fun and they knew our stuff and yeah we even got a chance to play i i like to say we opened for the red hot chili peppers hooray that's awesome <laughs> but we like it was like a huge music festival mm. and the headliner was red hot chili peppers yeah. <laughs> and then we were like three hours before them so like <laughs> we opened for them <laughs> that's funny okay that was uh, fun and then my other band bones like snowflakes we're all filipinos but we met in la oh wow yeah um i was here uh, just like for a quick vacation and then i one of the guys i knew from college who's already living here and we just like met up and jammed and we were like what they were inviting me to be a bassist first uh-huh. And I, me being me, I'm like, sure, I've never done this before, but I'm going to try. I love that. I know guitar. So, but then they heard me play piano and they were like, we don't need, we didn't need a keyboardist until we met you. Wow. That's awesome. So, yeah. How did that transition into scoring music in the Philippines for picture? No, it's actually very much related to meeting my band, Bones Like Snowflakes, because we mm. were a post-rock band. So it's instrumental. So it's, you know, it's very cinematic. And at that time, my friend Marvin, who started and led the band, he had done a short film. He scored it. And that was my first um, preview of, like, how fun that was, that looked like. And, like, two, how... It can be done without having to have, you know, a huge studio. Because yeah. he's showing it to me. I think he was working off a laptop. Or, yeah. like, I, <laughs> I was always so intimidated. And I didn't know that you can just do it with 
not that much equipment and investment. That's so, so cool. Yeah, he. I really owe a lot to him because he, he opened my eyes into that world. But yeah, and then I went home, and then that started like brewing in my head. Like, maybe I can do this. Like, yeah. Maybe I should give it a shot. Who and gave you I, your first opportunity? It was um, this Filipina director, Bia, who's also in LA now. Awesome. <laughs> she, uh, her name's Bianca, but I call her Bia. We knew each other from grade school. Wow. Elementary. I don't know what it's, it's called here. Grade school yeah. is what it's called. It's interchangeable here. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I just knew she was a filmmaker. She, she studied film at the University of the Philippines. And I was seeing it on Facebook. I think she was looking for someone to do their trailer. Yeah. And then I reached out and I said, I'll, I'll do her trailer. And then we did a demo and then she liked it. She, and then she was like, awesome. And then I said, do you have a composer for the rest of the film? And <laughs> yes. she said, not yet. And then it just, that was my first film score feature that's ever. so cool yeah and then it just kind of she recommended me to another director and then it just like snowballed yeah there, really i hope that inspires people to just like reach out and offer their services because people are so intimidated and um sometimes they don't take those opportunities because no mm -hmm. one's actively offering them you know that's um, true but i i was surprisingly bold i'm not always bold <laughs> i was like what was i thinking <laughs> like knowing what i know now in terms of how to do this i'm like how could i have been so bold to offer that like, amazing <laughs> but yeah definitely reaching out to filmmakers is something that seems intimidating but you know, we're all, we all got to start somewhere. Yeah. And the worst that could happen is they don't answer you back. <laughs> yeah. And then that's it. Like, that's it. <laughs> nothing lost. Really. So you spend a couple years at UCLA um, getting your certificate for film scoring. A couple years later, you get your first assistant composer job at Bleeding Fingers. Yes. And I think that's when we met, actually. It you is were... when we met. That's <laughs> Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Is that a is that a hard job like to be assistant like kind of doing all the dirty work? They're both hard. Being your own composer is hard. Being an assistant is hard. They both have their challenges. And one of the challenges of being an assistant is that you have to adapt to the composer's workflow uh. and style of writing because you have in case you have to take some writing cues from them. Yeah. Yeah, that was the hard part. But then you're also learning. Mm -hmm. So you're learning by learning this person's workflow, you're improving on yours. Yeah. So I learned so much like key commands and, you know, like how things are done more efficiently. Yeah. Setting up templates. Yeah, just, exactly. Man, I watched you guys work and y'all are crazy fast. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> It's it's pretty amazing what you learn out of being an assistant. Yeah. So I, I now that I'm done with that, I, I just look at that experience with fondness. Like it was yeah. such a wonderful experience, and it's like you're getting paid to learn in in a sense. Like also yeah. up to you to like get up to speed. <laughs> yeah, 
but you also got to produce some stuff pretty on crazy timelines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. That's great. So since then you've worked on a ton of projects, uh, in film, TV commercials. I have to have a paper cause, um, <laughs> here's a short list for everyone <laughs> watching Apollo, the forgotten films, um, making the cut on Amazon prime video, uh, surviving Jeffrey Epstein on lifetime. Death Saved My Life on Lifetime, and then this new one called Primates on BBC, mm-hmm. which you co-scored with uh, Adam Lucas, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think, like, now that you've done, like, all of this, you, you've built up a body of work, what do you think, like, the secret sauce is within your process or your, like, outlook on the whole thing? I, really, my secret sauce is the fact that I didn't study music right away. Oh, interesting. The fact that I started scoring films not knowing, but, <laughs> just, but just feeling and doing. Yeah. Has like kind of created this like sense of identity where I'm not copying so much from interesting. what I've learned from school. Although I know a ton of people will disagree with that, that way of, you know, the approach, but I just think I have such a strong sense of like my, what I like to write. Yeah. And then I just supplemented that eventually by finding out what is it in what I like to write that makes it work. Yeah. That's but it's awesome. kind of backwards. Yeah. Yeah. No, that yeah. gives me hope because I was never trained as a musician and there you go. <laughs> I, it, it all comes like really deeply from how you feel about what yeah. you're doing. So I totally relate to that. That's a cool <laughs> secret sauce. It's one secret sauce. And then I think I also have, I give so much value to eventually educating myself. Yeah. Like what it is that I like, what am I doing? First of all, like, what is this chord? Like, <laughs> why do I always do it? And you know, like, well, why is it working on the scene? And then eventually also when I, started studying and I'm still studying. Like I take private lessons all the time. Mm. I'm also expanding my vocabulary, but I think it's so important to me that I started by doing. Yeah. That's awesome. So recently you got a chance to work on this music video for a 14 year old actress, Ella J. Vasco, who stars in the film birds of prey. And um, the song is called gold. I've watched it. A hundred times already. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? <laughs> um, and it features a rap feature by Ruby Ibarra, who's also mm-hmm. a huge Filipino rap star in mm-hmm. my view. Um, but the thing about it is it makes a really bold statement about something a lot of us, or a lot of cultures that have been colonized or have gone through that type of trauma struggle with, like in a long lasting way to this day. Yeah. I'm curious if you could maybe like, talk about that theme of the of the song and how you approached it yeah of course it's so common in the philippines um whitening products are such a huge deal skin lighteners skin lighteners and it's not just so there's pills that you can take there's pills yeah you can get injected but soap is like the cheapest like more most affordable solution yeah so that Growing up, that was such a big theme of, like, if you're darker, it's not beautiful. Wow. 
Like if you go to the beach for a weekend and then you come back and you're all tanned, it's like kind of, it's not frowned upon, but you get teased wow. about it. And it's funny because it's like the opposite here. Like the, ta- the more tanned you are, <laughs> the cooler, yeah, the more beautiful it looks, right? <laughs> yeah. But that was just a, that, that's a theme. It's a recurring theme in Filipino culture. Mm-hmm. And it's only recently that we're starting to embrace our, you know, our color. Yeah. This golden, you know, sheen that we have. But um, I'm glad that it's finally being talked about because you become really self-conscious and you don't feel like you want to be yourself, which is terrible. Yeah, yeah. It's a terrible circumstance to be in. And um, the fact that this song, written by a 14-year-old, like, come on, like, that just speaks loads about where we're going. Yeah, I love that. And I yeah. think the, re- the cre- recurring line, one of the recurring lines is, I'm brown and I'm proud. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't know if we would have heard anything like that, like, 10, even five years ago. Not at all. On yeah. this, this level of um, mainstream, I guess, or yeah. accessible media. Um, I took a little like snippet from the video and I wanted to show people that right Ooh. now for about 40 seconds. Feeling like your life is dark? Maybe it's just your skin. Let brown be gone, wash the brown away. You, yes you, can make everyone around you feel more comfortable with brown be gone. Be dark no more. A beauty product by Karen and Karen, highly toxic, society approved. Common side effects include complicity, inauthenticity, hallucinations of Anglo features, and confusions of self-worth. Cut! Uh, <laughs> it's like, it's kind of devastating. I you guys- know. I'm hanging out with Denise Santos. She is a Filipino-American composer um, who did the opening music for Ella J. Bosco's music video Gold featuring uh, Ruby Ibarra and directed by Leslie Alejandro. I'm really looking forward to discussing some of the themes that are in this music video, but um, if you want to look up Denise, you can find her at bleedingfingersmusic.com. There's like all her credits there and then you can sample a lot of the music that she's made for um, these various productions too let's take a little break hey it's Val you know sometimes I feel insecure about even calling myself an activist I mean all I do is make art right and hope that people feel something or think or address certain topics that I care about and that's not exactly the highly visible type of activism that they write about in articles, right? Uh, But I'm realizing that that's not true, you see, because art inspires and art moves you to action. Art makes people feel like they're not alone. Um, Essentially, art matters. Uh, So I serve on the board of a nonprofit called the Slants Foundation that helps empower artists of color with the resources and the support system that helps them understand that their voice matters. And there are now dozens of high-profile articles about the impact of our nonprofit, uh, which makes me feel kind of good. 
If you think that I'm talented, you should see some of the artists that we've been working with at the Slants Foundation. But we need your financial support to do our thing. And that means money. We need you to donate money to the Slants Foundation so that we can nurture the next generation of cooler, better, smarter bows. <laughs> so if you can't afford to, please make a tax-deductible donation to the Slants Foundation by going to theslants.org and tell them that Bao sent you. All right, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. See ya. Let's get back to the show. Uh, Denise, so like, I, I think the, the theme of that opening section kind of plays on, you know, those old commercials mm -hmm. um, where obviously the person selling the product is a little bit uncomfortable with what they're selling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and when you got the details about the project, like, how did you go about kind of crafting how you would approach the music? Um, we were pretty clear in the beginning that we wanted it to be this, like, Stepford Wife mm. type. And, um, well, yeah, they had already, like, given me references as to how they wanted to sound, which... Again, to me, I had never written something like that. So I kind of, I panicked a little bit. <laughs> like, how am I going to write this? But then that's why I'm so thankful that I studied eventually because then I can pick apart why music or how this is done. Yeah. So what I did actually, and I don't know if it's something that you caught, but the opening line is basically the chorus of her song goal oh that's brilliant i didn't know i didn't catch that but that's awesome but yeah it goes her song goes that's it so i'm dipped in gold so that string opening is ding, 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 ding. yes <laughs> so i, I was like that. yes yes this works and then it just starts with this you know pizzicato strings just very bouncy lively but you know mixed with that picture and the product that she's selling created this very like, weird like uncomfortable thing. Yeah, yeah exactly and yeah. then we had this idea of in the end just warping it out slowing it down when she starts to you know realize that she doesn't like what she's selling yeah so we i just took basically the track and just warped it put some effects on it i think it it works out really really well because um, it really created that tension. Also, her acting, you know, like, I know yeah. all of that playing together. Um, you're like, ooh, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> What's going on? <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of familiar with that concept of like skin lighteners and, and kind of a colonized idea of beauty uh, be because yeah. it's pretty prominent in Vietnam as well. Yeah. Um, but I feel like you have a really valuable and like on point perspective because you've lived as a woman you know both in the philippines in that environment but also now you're in the u.s kind of you're able to look at it from the outside in as well mm -hmm. like I, i'm curious what it meant to you to be involved in this project because that topic must be like so familiar to you well, I was, before I got this project, I was already really into the song. <laughs> got it. I was fangirling like crazy. Like, I love this song. I love the message. Yeah. And then when Leslie called me, 
she was telling me about this music video. She didn't tell me it was the song yet. And she gave me the concept and I was already in. I was like, I read the script for the commercial mm. and I was just, I love this. This message means so much to me. And she told me it was Ella J. Basco. And I told, I told her, Oh, I love her new song gold. And she was like, well, this is for gold. And I was, I yes. like flipped out. I was like, that's amazing. So I, I was just so happy to be on board. I think it's so important. My like career goal is really to be working on projects that resonate a lot with me and what I've experienced mm-hmm. with messages that I want to convey. And this was just on point. Yes. Like self-acceptance, which I had to learn. Like when I, unfortunately it was, I learned it when I moved to the U S because there's less, I felt like I was less judged hmm. or I don't know. It's just back home. We're such a tight knit community. Like everything you do gets noticed. Sure. There's a commentary on the way you look all the time. Right. Every time you see a friend or there's a family gathering, they're either going to say you gained weight oh, or <laughs> you're darker. Or... So it's that self-acceptance of just your physical, like, stuff that you're so limited on how to you know sure you can diet and exercise until you're skinny and (laughs) miserable but there's only so much you can do with your physicality and i just love that i was able to be part of this message that's saying you don't have to change Mm. we're now in this world that's willing to accept you no matter how much you eat (laughs) <laughs> how much you stay out of the sun, how much, you know, how much, you know, darker you are from last summer. Like, yeah, I love that. I'm just really proud to be part of it. That's so cool. And it must be really cool to also work on a project with a bunch of other Filipino women too, yes. who also believe in the same message. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think most of the crew, like 80% of the crew for this music video is Filipino. That's rad. So it's, it's just, I, you can really feel the love. Like you can feel the soul that everyone is working towards that message. Yeah. And it was so just clear for all of us, like what we're trying to do. Yeah. We didn't have to explain to each other what's going on here. Like we just like automatically. Yeah. Do you think that's a message that would resonate in the Philippines as much as it does in the U S I think so. For sure. Cool. Like, for sure. I mean, a lot of people are now embracing, you know, this brownness that we're given. So I, I think it's all about messaging, really. Earlier, you know, maybe 10 years ago, the messaging was you're more beautiful if you're white. Mm. But only how, how many of Filipinos are actually born with clear skin? Like, so it's now the messaging being you're beautiful even if you're brown, I think that's really going to resonate with a lot of people. I love that. And, and I love that it's called gold. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's like premium, you know? Like, yeah. Why, are we, why have, we, have we been so ashamed of that? It's golden. That's awesome. I love the song. I love the video. It's mm-hmm. just, I don't know. I'm just really proud of you guys for putting all that together. And um, I'm really glad you were able to work on that project too. Yeah. I read in a recent interview of yours Uh that um, 
You said you really love to work on like musical arrangements for artists. Some artists that I really love, actually, Imogen Heaps, Sarah Bareilles, Phoebe Bridgers. Um, Heim. And Heim. Uh-huh. Love that mug. Do yeah. you feel pop music kind of pulling you back? Like, is that something that has been kind of um, tugging at you? I mean, I I love pop music, and I try to. Incorporate it into my scores actually a lot, and I think that's what I'm saying about like I'm so glad that I started doing this first before even thinking because unintentionally I've become like a hybrid type of composer because these are my influences. Yeah. I love I love orchestral music, but I love pop music. Like that's what I listen to. Yeah, in the car at home, like that. That's my vinyl collection. It's just like. It's a mixture of these both worlds. That's what makes me happy, and I'm not ashamed about it. <laughs> I love that. That's yeah. so cool. So I just want to remind the audience: I'm chatting with Denise Santos. She makes the music to the movies and the TV shows you watch, including the BBC's recent documentary called Primates and Lifetime: Surviving Jeffrey Epstein and Death Saved My Life. You can learn more about Denise. Listen to her music. And see her full list of credits at bleedingfingersmusic.com. Two out of the three titles that I just called out: "Surviving Jeffrey Epstein," "Death mm-hmm. Saved My Life," revolve around telling women's stories. And um, when you worked on those projects, like how much or if that figured into your process or how you approached the project? I think it's it was just so organic. For me to work on these projects huh. because they're both talking about abuse. I'm not a victim of abuse, thankfully, but I do. You know, I I know the microaggressions. I know, you know, the perceptions that people have of women and how we can just, you know, people think we can just be pushed around and mm. kind of set aside. So. I really connected with those two projects um, because I have my own like um, experiences of heartbreak and um, feeling inferior. Mm. And these women that are in these um, shows, they were basically like they were treated like shit. Like they were powerless, and that's a it's a it's a feeling that I know feeling powerless in a very male dominated society. So. It just came natural to me, like that pain. It was it was cathartic to me. So I haven't seen them, but how do you feel like that materialized itself in the actual music, in the final music? I think it's just. Well, I did have some vocals in there. Some I didn't sing. I just <laughs> I found some um, vocal stuff and I put it in there and. That to me was like you can feel the heartache, vocal lines, but then also it's it's just that overall there's just this like blanket of pain mm. throughout the score. But then there's also moments of aggression mm. that I love. It's like you know these women are fighting back, like yeah. with Epstein, the survivors are fighting back they're telling the story they're you know 
when when they used to be afraid, they're also now coming out and saying, "No, I'm not going to be silent anymore." And this and with um, "Death Saved My Life," it's the story of uh, a wife who was uh, abused by her husband, and she found a way to fight back. And that's another theme that in the music that I just love. Like I was able to bring this rock aggression into it. So. Like you know, I I played electric guitar and just made it really like tried to be as like, feisty as it could be. Like, while yes, there is a lot of pain, there is also a lot of strength in that fueled by the pain. Yeah, that's so cool. I love I love how as music makers, like you go to a place that's such raw emotion and you try to pull that out and put it into the work. Yeah. Um, you got a fun job, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it is fun, I have to say. I wouldn't, I'm so glad I decided to be a musician after all. Um, you said something earlier that it's a male-dominated industry. And mm-hmm. specifically, I'm thinking, like, there's not very many women of color in that industry, right? Scoring music for picture. Yeah. Is that something that you think about often and... and um, is that something you hope eventually to tackle? Yeah, of course. I, mean, I think about it day in, day out. Every time there's a word season, I'm like, where's mm. the woman of color? <laughs> Come on. But I, since I moved here and I started meeting, you know, allies, like women composers and people of color that are in the industry, I'm starting to definitely have more hope that, we're fighting a good fight. Um, there's a, been a lot of movements like yeah. pushing for diversity. And it's definitely, it's helped me get to where I am now. And it's, it's my life goal to bring in more people like me that's awesome. into the industry. Like that's really my metric for success. If I open more and more doors. Wow. People of color. That's beautiful. And women too. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Outside of like your personal, what you can do, what do you think the industry can do to be more inclusive moving forward? Well, it really starts with the heads, production, like directors and Mm -hmm. producers. It really starts there. Um, There's only so much we as composers, which we're at the very tail end of this yeah. whole production, right? If they don't desire for diversity in their crew, then no matter how much we push, it's right. like, where is it going to go? Yeah. But, so it starts there. And, and luckily, there's so much um, demand for that now. Um, Hollywood's really trying to highlight our stories yeah. more and more. And there's so much to tell. <laughs> they're, all, they're so varied, too, in terms of storylines. It's not just all sad. Like, we have so much comedy in us. We have so much fun. So the, I think the more that studios ask for it, the more opportunities we'll have. Mm. And, and, but I think, you know, from what we can do on our level... It's also just having conversations, first of all. With, like this? Yes, exactly. <laughs> like so, like this. 
also like training people and women of color, you know, not discouraging them. Yeah. Trying out this field. Because when I started, there was a lot of discouragement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I think it's important that we send it out to the world that, you know, we can do this. I love that. Thank you. I, I really like what you said about kind of making it your mission to enable more people to yeah. do this because the those perspectives are so valuable, right? Like the piece as a whole really has to have the right players involved. And so yeah. for you to be involved in some of these projects that do tell women's stories or where you can bring in some of your upbringing and mm -hmm. your musical influences from the Philippines and stuff, um, I think that's like... That's what makes things interesting and memorable. So I'm glad you're part of that. We're still in the pandemic. Yes, we're getting out of it, though. <laughs> we're, we're, I get, I'm hoping we're at the tail end of the pandemic, but like we've all been stuck in our homes for a while. You're working from home pretty much full time now, too, right? Yep. Um, and you've been hanging out with your husband, Josh, who did the music for Superfly, which is in the poster yes. behind you. you can see. That's all his posters and awards. <laughs> oh, man, no pressure. <laughs> no pressure, I know. I, my wall's empty. <laughs> um, and you've been hanging out with Biscuit, who mm -hmm. uh, has a Biscuit Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Little baby Biscuit. <laughs> uh, I'm curious to, uh, to know if you've had a chance during the pandemic to decide on anything personal that you'd like to level up on as like a human being. Oh, there's so much. But aside from writing better music, <laughs> that's always a goal. But yeah. non-music related, there's like cleaning. <laughs> I love to clean, but I know I, I could be better at it. <laughs> How interesting. But then also fostering relationships. It's been hard during the pandemic, of course. Yeah. But I, you know, I've learned that there are ways to do it. Like having... FaceTime calls and yeah. sending food to friends, you know, just ordering and having it sent to them. It's, but I'm still constantly, it's, it's like there are cycles in my life where I focus on, okay, this time it's I'm all music. Uh, me it's, too. Right? It's hard. It's hard for me to balance. Balance. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yes, I want to get better at balance. Um, can you share any tips with me? Uh, that you might have found that that worked for you in terms of balancing like where your focus is work family relationships i make uh schedules like literally there's one right here like, I write it <laughs> and i try i try my very best to stick to it this is when things go really crazy like mm. there's like friday saturday sunday and like, this is my and then I put, I make sure it's like, okay, there's one here where I had dinner with friends. Yeah. This is laundry day. This is, you know, uh, most of it is work, but yeah. I, I try to look at it. You know, I write it down and I'm like, okay, I need to set aside time for this aspect of my life. Yeah. Because if I don't, then it's going to sit at the back of my head while I'm working and I'm not really fully there for my work. Yeah. That's great. I feel the same way if, if I think a lot of people struggle with this, right? If you don't treat it as a must do task, 
eventually put it in your schedule, you're yeah. probably not going to do it. Yeah. And sadly, as adults, we kind of need to treat nurturing our relationships and checking up with friends and calling mom yeah. as like a to-do item. It is. Because it's no longer a natural thing. You've got so much going on. So um, exactly. I really like your approach of just like listing um, yeah, it keeps you in check because you can take a look at it and say, okay, this is too much. It's all work. Like, yeah. Where's time for friends? Where's time for laundry? Like, I have a huge pile sitting. <laughs> like, what am I going to do that? <laughs> and and there, honestly, there are months or weeks where it's all work because of deadlines. Uh-huh. But then there also, it, I have to remind myself, like, okay, you, you need at least half a day, just half a day. It's not much, just half a day to do other things that will, <laughs> that will make the rest of your life easier. Yeah. And then, then I do it and then it's done and I feel renewed. That's awesome. Denise, thank you so much for spending time with me, sharing your perspective and teaching me things. Really appreciate <laughs> it. I could talk for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> we'll meet up once this is over. This yes, I love that. Um, thank you so much. Hang on for a second. I'm going to give okay. a little outro and then I'll like properly say goodbye to you after that. Cool. Cool. Thank you. Um, you guys, I had such a great time chatting with Denise, Denise Santos, composer at Bleeding Fingers Music. You can find her, listen to her stuff, see her huge list of credits at bleedingfingersmusic.com. And, um... If you like this show, you know what to do. Like it, subscribe it, um, hit that little bell thing on YouTube. <laughs> if you really appreciate this content, I would also really appreciate you um, buying me a coffee. You can do that at coffeewithbow.com. And we're going to see you next week for another episode. I, for the month of May, I'm going to skip the two-week schedule and I'm going to do it weekly. So you get a little more content. I'm super excited about that. Thank you guys for tuning in for Coffee with Bao and Denise. You want to see our beautiful mugs while we chat? Coffee with Bao is also available in video. Just search for it on YouTube and hit the subscribe button.